Welcome to Meet the Professors. This is medical oncologist Dr. Neil Love. We gathered about a dozen practicing medical oncologists to present real but de-identified breast cancer cases from their practices to our faculty of Dr. Julie Graylo, Dr. Richard Elledge, Dr. Joanne Blum, and Dr. Debu Tripathy. To begin, Dr. David Dresner presents to Drs. Graylo and Elledge a man with symptomatic metastatic disease. This is a 74-year-old male with a history of stage 2 infiltrating ductal cancer dating back five years. At the presentation of the cancer, it was 2.1 centimeters, grade 3, ER positive, PR positive, and HER2 negative. Two of eight lymph nodes were positive. Can you talk a little bit about the man, what his background was, and his reaction to the diagnosis? He was your typical retired Florida enjoying the good life, playing golf three times a week type gentleman. What kind of work did he do in the past? He was a machinist. And how did he find out about the breast cancer? He came to his doctor with a lump in the breast. So what happened next? He had a modified left radical mastectomy, then received four traditional cycles of AC followed by four taxols, and then was started on a five-year tamoxifen program. After the mastectomy, he also had local chest wall radiation. Was doing fine till about four and a half years from diagnosis when he came to the office ahead of his normal scheduled appointment complaining of back pain. Laboratory tests revealed the CA27 that was elevated to 98. A PET scan was performed which showed multiple areas of abnormal bony sites in the ribs and the spine, two early liver lesions, and small left supraclavicular nodes. We biopsied one of the supraclavicular nodes, and it was positive for adenocarcinoma. It was still ER positive, PR positive, HER2 negative, and we also tested for PSA, and that was negative. Okay. So, Julia, this is a man who's developed metastatic disease while on adjuvant tamoxifen. First, can you comment a little bit about the approach to adjuvant therapy in men, and then specifically about the issue of patients who develop METs? Men who develop breast cancer tend to actually have a higher rate of ERPR-positive cancers, interestingly. And other than knowing that, we treat them with the same chemotherapy, the same endocrine agents. We question what to do about aromatase inhibitors because there is the possibility that you may need to suppress androgen production in order to have aromatase inhibitors work. That's actually the subject of an ongoing SWOG trial, SO511, for men male breast cancer patients looking first-line metastatic at the combination of androgen suppression and an aromatase inhibitor. It's a phase two. So how would you think through this man's therapy in this situation? So he's had almost five years of the tamoxifen. He's kind of nearing the end, but he's still on the tamoxifen. But you've biopsied him, and he's clearly still ERPR positive, the tumor is, and HER2 negative. Just like I would in a woman, I'd go to next-line endocrine therapy as my next step. And might want to work up the back pain a bit. I'd start a bisphosphonate as well because you've documented the bone mets. Since I'm not quite sure what to do with an aromatase inhibitor, fulvestrant certainly would be an option where I wouldn't have to worry about suppressing the androgens. Now for both of those, do we know whether or not the patients will do better if they have their testicular function suppressed? Can you speculate on it? When you said we use hormonal therapy like women, i.e. tamoxifen, but are men endocrinologically or tumor biologically more like postmenopausal women or premenopausal women? Well, both pre and 
post responded to moxifen. Yeah, well, that's the easy one. Right, and they work in men. We know that. We've got data there. Was that published, incidentally, in terms of AIs and fulvestrin in men? Do we have published data on no. that? Case reports, anything? I don't know if there are any published case reports. Haven't Rich? seen it. Anecdotal data. I mean, we've treated patients in our own clinic. So you've seen people respond to both of them in your yes. own practice? Yes. Rich, what do we know about this? There are multiple case reports of men responding to the third generation AIs. Fazlodex, I have not seen any. So when you give a man an AI, I'm just trying to think about this sort of biologically, you have this huge source of androgens testicularly. It almost sounds a little bit like a premenopausal woman who might have a lot of estrogen on board. I don't know. Well, since aromatase as the enzyme blocks the androstenedione and testosterone from going to estrone and estradiol, if you really loaded up those androgens, you'd expect that the AIs might have some effect, but it potentially could even be improved by suppressing the androgen production. So that's why we're studying the combination of the two in the SWOG study. Although I have to say that early on with one of my male breast cancer patients who relapsed on tamoxifen, I just started him on an AI, had a great response for a couple of years, then started him on fulvestrant, had actually better response than a lot of women on that drug and responded for about nine months at that point. And now he's on some chemotherapy. We have anecdotal case reports, but there aren't enough men with breast cancer to do any trial, which is why ours is a phase two, not a phase three. So how would you have thought through his therapy, Rich? He seems to have at least an endocrine responsive tumor. He was on it for almost five years. I would have given him an LHRH agonist. One could have, depending on his symptomatology. We don't do it much in the United States, but just done a tamoxifen withdrawal to see what happened. So I would have done one of those two things. So you put him on an LHRH agonist, she has a good response, and then he progresses. Then what? Well, this is an area of total speculation, but... I would have used an AI because using the AI and your question is actually, would I have stopped his LHRH agonist or would I have just put him on both? I guess there are theoretical reasons to think that both might be more beneficial, but I'll have to say that if you assume that these tumors are driven by estrogen, really the rate limiting step is how much aromatase there is to convert all that androgen to estrogen. So if the rate limiting step is actually the enzyme and not the substrate, then it doesn't matter. So this is kind of speculation. I know there must be an obvious answer, but do we understand, Julie, the biology of why AIs don't work in premenopausal women? I always had this idea there was just like too much estrogen around. My simplistic way of thinking about it is the ovaries just entirely override the whole system. The way I understand it, there's too much aromatase around in ovarian tissue. You cannot block it down. So, Dr. Dresner, can you follow up with what happened with this patient? Yeah, we discussed treatment options, and I started the patient on Fazlodex and also started him on Zometa. After about four months of treatment, his CA27 fell to normal. His bone pain basically went away. Did he get radiation therapy? No, he did not. And he's just doing well about eight months out. So, Julie, you can write him up with your patient and case report of, of two <laughs> patients. This is anecdotal medicine. It was all we can do with something like male breast cancer. Rich, can you talk a little bit about the neoadjuvant trial that you're doing? I found it so fascinating of triple biologic therapy. 
Well, there are several, obviously, growth factor pathways in breast cancer. One of the two dominant ones is the estrogen receptor pathway. Now that we have endocrine agents with multiple mechanisms of action, it may be effective to attack this pathway at multiple points to increase the efficacy and decrease the chance of resistance. And there is in vivo data to support this. So we have a study in which we're using Fasildex, which is an estrogen receptor down regulator. It binds to estrogen, changes its conformation, and causes it to be destroyed. So we combine Fasildex with anastrozole, which takes away the ligand in that pathway. So you're attacking it at two different points. And then we also have gefitinib, which can block communication between the estrogen receptor pathway and some other growth factor pathways that can be activated in breast cancer. So in that way, instead of blocking growth factors at one point, we're blocking them at three points. And we're doing the trial both to test for efficacy and also to test for molecular correlates. It's interesting, it's an all oral regimen. When you think about a triple therapy with all oral targeted therapies. What do we know about the combination of an AI and fulvestrin? Of course, it's being studied in clinical trials in metastatic disease. What's the theoretical basis of combining those two? Well, again, that fulvestrin is a unique hormonal agent in that it gets rid of most, but not all of the receptor. And anastrozole gets rid of the ligand. And so that they're completely different mechanisms of action. In the past, combinations of hormonal agents have not proved to be better than single hormonal agents. And I think that that's mainly because there were not clearly different mechanisms of action. And some of our hormonal agents have gotten better, such as the third generation AIs. Now, these trials have not come to fruition, so we don't know whether the combination is better or not. We've tried the combination in the ATAC study, but as one actually would have predicted, the combination was not better, probably because of the agonist effect of tamoxifen in a low estrogen environment. Julie, we were talking before in the premenopausal patient about continuing an LHRH agonist, adding in a Remedex or an AI, adding in fulvestrant. What about the patient who's on an AI, then progresses? It's a little bit similar strategy, keeping the ligand down continuing the AI and adding in fulvestrin. Do you think that that's a reasonable non-protocol option right now? I think it's not unreasonable. The complete blockade, the double blockade, kind of hitting the estrogen receptor as well as estrogen production might be better than either alone. So generally, if somebody's progressing on anastrozole or any aromatase inhibitor, I don't continue it as I go on to my next line but it's not unreasonable to consider it. We have to do the trials. And that trial, I guess the SOFIA trial that's being done in Europe is specifically going to look at that. 